woke in the early morning to see someone kneeling beside my bed staring at me. I could see the outline, a smoking outline of a man, almost transparent, with an expressionless face. To my disbelief, I closed and opened my eyes, repeatedly thinking that I must have been dreaming, only I continued to see the figure kneeling and staring at me. Frightened, I threw two quick punches at my intruder's head. I have a black belt in karate, only to see my fists and arms pass straight through this entity as it slowly drifted back into the night. Obviously, I was frightened and confused. Was I dreaming? Earlier this week, I was again awakened in the middle of the night by someone or something grabbing at my wrist. So I shot up in bed and again saw the smoking outline of my visitor. This time, it was holding my arm and staring directly at me. No time to react as the figure slowly, simply faded into the dark again. Was I dreaming? Convinced this might all be in my head, I only told two of my closest friends about the ordeal. That, that was until last night. You see, I was at a school function sitting with many of my fellow students when the conversation turned to the supernatural that's when one of my classmates embarrassingly admitted that he and his roommate believe there is an entity visiting their apartment though they haven't seen the ghost apparently their visitor makes itself known by moving objects around the apartment and knocking other items over couldn't believe what i heard turned white as chills ran down my spine you must understand art the two students who told us that story live in the apartment across the hall, directly across the hall from mine. I don't know if I'm going to have time to get this in or not. It's from a police officer. Uh, he says, uh, here's my ghost story, Art. I'm a cop. When I was 13, we lived in an old church parsonage on the uh, Saline Seward County line in Nebraska, the church uh, and the small country cemetery was just south of the house. My bedroom was on the southwest corner of the house. One November night near Thanksgiving, I had just uh, turned out the light from reading. There was an earful moon out. I could see the church and the cemetery like uh, daylight. I lay back in my bed, which was inches from the door, as was the light switch. I was facing the door when I heard footsteps coming up the stairs. I assumed it was my dad. It was not unusual for him to check on me. I like to stay up. He admonished me to get to sleep. I'd stay up and read. I heard steps coming closer, feigned sleep, but kept my eyes partly open. As the steps entered my room, I saw not my dad, but a shadowy figure. Tall, male. No features. I repeat, no features. It had a white collar. The moon uh, light in my room, almost like a night light. Should have been able to see any face if it was there, but it was just a shadow. I about filled my drawers. I walked toward the window, stood there as if uh, looking uh, at the church. It was a solid figure as the moonlight didn't shine through it. It turned, started back toward the door. Now me, I pulled the covers over my head and shook until I fell asleep. Several years later, when I was an adult, my dad and I were driving about having Barbie bops. We drove by the house, the church. I asked Dad if anything strange had ever happened there. My dad 
told me this story when he was uh, when it was cold often when it was cold we'd shut the sliding doors to the large parlor so we wouldn't uh, have to heat it dad would often wake to pounding on the sliding doors they were taped shut he actually on occasion would see the doors move as they were pounded on you know the old uh, you've seen it in the movies right boom 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 door bows in that kind of thing uh, so in a, in a, it just goes on and on uh, in other words his dad had uh, uh, seen the same thing I, I'm just I'm, there's not going to be enough time for me to finish this story but uh, uh, there's another case you see of an independent confirmation as I said earlier a lot of people think you know they see these things they experience these things and they don't want to talk about them for obvious reasons because somebody's you know you're afraid somebody will think you're nuts right well you're not nuts and so tonight you will hear stories and we're about to go to the phones from people who I can assure you most of them are not nuts. Now, of course, going to be a few, but most of them are not nuts at all. What's happening? Is real. A couple of these photographs, and one in particular, totally freaks me out. Again, on my website, artbell.com. What's new? Uh, second photo down at the moment. There's a woman coming right through a closed door, and, and and she's right in the middle of it. Now, this one, this one does it for me. You know, you hear the stories, and you will tonight, of people saying that these things come through walls and come through ceilings, but to get a photograph of it, <laughs> this one's really creepy, folks. All right, uh, here we go. First time caller line, you are first on Ghost to Ghost this night. Hello. Hey, Art. Hey. How you doing? Okay, where are you? I am calling from Chicago, WLS. Of course. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, I was, let's see, I was doing an antique show in Texas, and on the way back, I went to visit my sister's house, who lives uh, in St. Bernard Parish, right outside of New Orleans. Right. And so she was taking me on, like, a tour that most people don't go on, showing me interesting stuff, and she goes, oh, I got to show you this, I got to show you this. It's uh, the Lebeau Plantation House. We drove by it, and it's owned by a... Uh, fairly famous sugar company, any any grocery store that you would go into, you'd see these sugar packages. So they ended up buying up this plantation and, and the property there. Right. And it's all boarded up. place looks real spooky and everything like that. And she starts telling me the stories about this. And the first thing that I said after she, she started telling me this is, we have got to go in there. We've got, and she started laughing, going, ever since I moved here, I've been waiting for you to get down here because I've been wanting to sneak in. So in other words, you would intentionally go into such an environment? <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, fine. So you you and who went? Me, my sister, and my wife. Now, we're all adults, but we're yeah. all kids. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I do. All right. So, so uh, a couple days later, it rained for a couple nights, uh, so we couldn't do it. But a few days later, we got some good weather, and uh, we were armed with a, a towel and a flashlight. Yeah. That's good armor. Yes, towel and a flashlight, yes. And uh, it's funny because the people that are that, that live around here, if they're listening to the show, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. I should probably tell you the history of this place first. Well, I'd rather just kind of get to what happened. Okay. Um, well, 
We sneak it. Uh, we we go behind VFW Hall, which is back behind this place, and we got to go a roundabout way to sneak over the fence and this, that, and the other. And it's kind of like right out of the next files episode, you know, going through sugar tankards in the middle of the night, stacked uh-huh. too high, and all this stuff. Yeah. Get into the house finally. Um, and I'd like to say that we didn't really destroy anything except like a little eight-inch board trying to get in. But uh, we get into this place, and it's it's huge. And there's like eight rooms on the bottom floor. And so we start making our way around, and we're looking for a staircase. Um, and you have to imagine that we're not supposed to be there. We're, we're I, I understand that you did this voluntarily. Uh, so anyway, well, what And also we're trespassing, and, you know, mm. so, so we're more afraid of security <laughs> than, <laughs> than we are of ghosts. Oh, yeah, you know? I've got the picture. And so one of the first things that happened, and this was really bizarre, okay, because, you know, I'm pointing the flashlight down at the ground. I'm using the towel to kind of, like, block out the light so we're not lighting up an entire room at a time, but only only little bits so that that we're not going to be seen from the outside. Yes. And now my wife and, and my sister saw this better than I did. I saw it out of the corner of my eye, but they saw it. Just a, tell me what happened. A flashing light shot across the room, but in like a swooping motion going upwards and then down and then back up again. Like in Ghostbusters. Yeah, it just shot across. Now, I only saw it out of the corner of my eye, and they saw it. So I, I turned out the flashlight because I'm thinking somebody's, you know, security's coming. They're flashing a light. Everything oh, yeah, like sure. That. Of course you yeah. wouldn't that. So we're like, shh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And we all go, we go stand by the doors, and, and, and we're looking out. The doors are boarded up, but, you know, you, there's places where you can see out, and we're looking to see. And we're like three, 400 yards from, from in any direction from anything. And? And um, so we're just standing there being quiet. And then my sister goes, I just saw a light up in the, the, uh, the uh, through the floorboards in the ceiling above us. She goes, I just saw a light up there. I went, get out, and I and I and I'm looking up, and then I see it in a different place, and there's like light coming through the floorboards, but yet there's like big holes here and there, and yeah. the holes weren't illuminated at all, just just little cracks of, of light. <laughs> I mean, not really, coming from everywhere. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Really, really bizarre. Okay, so then we go on, and I'm like, nah, 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 because you know we you're sitting there, you're saying none of this is happening. You know, you're just, you're just paranoid and all this stuff. And uh, so we go walking. Got about 30 seconds, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we go around to the... We, we make the first pass of the first floor, and then we notice that we, we couldn't find the staircase. So we start going through again. The second time through, um, I this is the weirdest thing. We heard... I mean, this is like... It sounds like a classic uh, haunting type of thing, but I swear it sounded like... <laughs> You know, like a, a large metal handle door and it, it, something swinging closed. Yes. The wind started blowing and everything's boarded up, but and it dropped like we we could hear wind outside, but it dropped like 20 degrees, and everybody just freaked because we thought we were once again we thought we were busted, not not that there were ghosts or anything. Okay, like. we're at about the end of the time here. Oh, uh, that's, that's a shame because it gets better. Well, it, it's going to have to do it real quick. Um, well. Basically, I go over by the the the, the end all be all is we heard uh, the, what sounded like the voices of like slaves calling like adult black men calling to and each other. And where like, where, where was this again, please? 
This is in St. Bernard Parish, uh, the Lobo Plantation House. All right. Uh, there was a, uh, there was a slave route. Uh, when I lived in Maryland once, a place called Blue Ridge Summit, uh, we lived in a very large house uh, at the time. In fact, uh, the house we lived in, it was, my mom called it early Victorian uh, Halloween, <laughs> early Halloween. It, it was a, an old house, but it had 35 rooms. 35 rooms. And I, of course, I had appropriated one of the top rooms in the house for my ham shack. And it was on a route uh, where they had uh, sent slaves, you know, and they would send slaves from the southern part of the country to the northern part of the country. And there were certain, like, safe houses for the slaves, and this was one of them. And so we had in this house, it was a creepy house that I lived in. We had secret passageways, and so it was really cool as a child because, man, there were secret passageways that went around almost every room in the house. Totally secret passageways. Now, the story was they had been used uh, to hide slaves in their trek north. You know, it would be a stopping off point. But, man, that was one weird house I lived in. A place called Blue Ridge Summit of Pennsylvania, Maryland. The, uh, the Miss Dixon line actually ran right through the house. Actually ran through the house. Amazing. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? Yes. Oh, oh, Hi. Yeah, this is Pat from Southwest Florida. Yes, Pat. Uh, I'm a retired New York City fire, fireman, fire lieutenant. New York City fire lieutenant. Oh, okay. That's correct, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and this concerns a story uh, regarding a ghost story that I heard. This is not a first-hand story, but uh, this week, uh, this um, was about Rescue One, which is which at the time was on 43rd Street between 8th and 9th Avenue. Uh-huh. And the story was related to me by a, a firefighter at the time. This is about 1977. Can't remember the guy's last name. His first name was Chris. And if he's listening, he comes from Glen Cove, Long Island. Okay. But at any rate, uh, he told me this story that uh, on the second floor of this particular firehouse on 43rd Street, Rescue One, um, it's the bunk room. You know, on the first floor, you have the fire, you have fire truck and the kitchen and what have you. Sure. On the second floor, you have the, uh, the bunk room. And he said that uh, one night he went up there between uh, about 2.15 in the morning. And, he, you know, the, the, between, between runs, you know, you can go into the bed, you know. Can I ask a, stupid, can, can I ask a stupid question? Sure. Uh, Lieutenant, in those firehouses, you know, the old-fashioned thing was that there was this sliding pole between one floor and another, and you would, you would see firemen sliding down it. Uh, did that exist... Oh, sure, of course. Really? Of course, yeah. They had two of them in each house. In, in this particular house, they had two, one up front and one in the back. I always wondered if that was real normal or just sort of a media thing, you know. Oh, no, no, that's movies. absolutely true. It's, it's okay, all right. Absolutely true. Yeah, okay. And after any New York City fireman, or any fireman, I suppose, for that matter, uh, they would certainly know this, you know. Oh, okay. At the time, I was assigned to Fort Truck, which, is, which was on 48th and 8th, uh, 48th Street and 8th Avenue. Anyway, uh, he told me this story, and he said that uh, this one particular night, um, he went up to uh, into the uh, into the bed, and he was lying on his stomach. And by the way, this this particular bunk room is extremely dark, or it was extremely dark. Right. Pitch black. I mean, you couldn't see your, your hand in front of your face. 
and the only the only thing you could see was the luminescent light up on the wall. And um, he looked up and he saw it was about three o'clock or so, something like that. And uh, and then all of a sudden he felt a pressure <laughs> on his ankles, like somebody oh. grabbing his ankles. Oh, you know. Yes. And then they moved up towards his calves and so on and so forth, you know. Uh-huh. And he thought maybe it was one of the guys just. You know, playing a trick or, you know, goofing on him, you know? Yeah. And he said, when a guy got up to the back of his thighs, he said, that's it. I'm not putting up with this. Right. And he jumped up and he turned on the lights in the bunk room, which was pitch black. And there was absolutely nobody there. (laughs) And everybody else was fast asleep. Yeah, well... This is part of what I've never uh, understood and, and part of what I was after tonight. If You know, I can understand that there could be a ghost or there could be a, an entity of some sort, but how they actually physically manifest in this world and, and, and attack people and do things like you're talking about, that one I don't get. Well, uh, you know, I, I saw this guy twice afterwards, and I, I said, Chris, I said... Were you telling me the truth about that story? Right. And he said, I absolutely was. But let me let me tell you one... Let me go a little further with this. Sure. Okay? So the next morning, he got up and he related the story to the lieutenant on, on, on duty that morning. Right. And uh, they, they he said, hey, you know, something happened last night. It was really weird. And they checked the records. And it turns out that... Um, uh, something like 20 years before, like 19... I don't know, 1957, something like that. New York City's fire department keeps long records. Huh? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, okay. records back to the 1800s. So 20, oh, okay. So, so anyway, they found out that at that particular hour and that particular date, uh, there was a fire a fireman in Rescue One who had was between tours. In other words, he wasn't on duty. Right. He was between tours. Right. They had a fire. This guy went to the fire between tours, he wasn't officially on duty, came back to the firehouse, went up to that particular rack, uh, that particular bed, and and died of a heart attack. Oh, my God. Really? Uh, at, at the exact time, 20, yes. 20 years ago. Oh, yes. my. And it was documented. And, and from what he told me, the, the widow of the, of the firefighter, and I don't know his name, but the widow of the firefighter never received any compensation. So that, you know, there was... Uh, so, uh, well, then you could imagine a motive, perhaps, for the haunting. Well, I don't I, know. Is that, is that well, what you're knows? saying? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? You know, right. I, you know, at first when I heard the story, I said, oh, man, that's kind of hard to believe, you know? But, you know, I, I, again, I told you, I saw the guy, and I said, Chris, are, are you, was that really a true story? He said, I swear it was true. And P.S., uh, Rescue One on 43rd Street between uh, 8th and 9th uh, burned down around, uh, I'm not sure of the exact year, I think it was about 1979, 1980. It was a tremendous fire. It was on Daily News. Wow. But it burned down and it, uh, it was a tremendous fire. Totally took the place out. You know? Well, boy, oh, brother. Lieutenant, thank you. Okay. Take care. Uh, there's a fire, Lieutenant. You see what I mean? The part that I'm struggling to understand, and I'm, I guess I'm going to keep saying this, is how do these entities that no longer possess a physical body manifest 
physical things. I mean, how can they be touching you, choking you, scratching you, affecting you physically in any way at all in this dimension? Remember, they don't have a physical body anymore, right? So how do these stories happen? How does it happen? Oh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? Yes, sir. Oh, great. You're talking to me. I am, yes. All right. Where are you? I'm in Charleston. Okay. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina. South Carolina. And I'm, I'm a police officer, and that doesn't make me more credible, I'm sure. But Yes, it does. Um, anyway, um, I have had numerous experiences with entities, and um, I would probably say in my lifetime, 30 years, I would say probably 10 or 15. Uh, how long have you been a, a police officer? About five years. Five years. Right. I've had several on the job. But um, actually, the one I was going to talk about was what happened as a child. Fire away. Um, I'm not going to waste time or anything, but when I was a child, I was about um, six or seven years, and it was right after an experience that I had uh, two years prior um, with a miracle with a religious uh, person. Okay? Okay. And we had moved into this new house, and everything that happened in this house was really odd. Um, I remember every Halloween, every um, really evil thing that went on. I, I remember, I don't remember Christmas or anything um, nice in that house. Well, long story give me any specific, you, uh, we don't have a lot of time. Well, make a long story hour. short, I just went to bed and I'd laid down, I was about six or seven years old, and when I laid down in bed, I turned my nightlight on and I laid down and my brothers had went to bed. And they, um, once I had laid down, the um, I heard footsteps coming towards my door. And it's much like that other police officer had talked about. Oh, yes. Except the weird thing about this one was it wasn't a hazy glow or anything like that. It actually, it, it was, I call it a demon. But I had laid down, well, I had the, not even closed my eyes. Could you actually describe what it looked oh, like? Oh, absolutely. What did, absolutely. And then do it. Tell what me. had happened was it stepped what, in my door. It tell, was, tell me what it looked like. It was about six or seven feet tall. It was a figure of a dog, believe it or not. Oh, brother. And it was a, a demonic look. Um, it had hair. When I first saw Cujo, it had muddy, bloody, matted fur, just like Cujo had after right. he attacked all the people. And when it walked in, I smelled the odor of what I call pure death. If I ever smelled it again, I'd probably get sick. Um, it walked into my room. It looked at me, and it had fangs on the front of the, on the bottom jaw that went straight up. You're a police officer. You yes, know what, absolutely. You, you know what death smells like, though. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And um, but I, you know, I hadn't smelled that at six or seven years old. But and I've not smelled anything like it since. But and the top fangs went straight down had long fingernails and it came in it looked at me it walked towards my bed and the only thing I could think of to do was cover my eyes and start praying and which I did and it, it leaned over me and was uh, officer um, hold it right there we're uh, we're at the uh, top of the hour so sure. can you can you afford to hold uh, through Absolutely. the news Absolutely. all right yeah good hold on then please um, does it make somebody more credible if they're a police officer or a fire lieutenant like that a previous caller. Yes, uh, because these are men trained in uh, observation. It's their job to observe and see what's going on and to observe it uh, accurately. 
Yes, of course. It adds some credibility in that sense. I'm Art Bell from the high desert. This is Ghost to Ghost AM. Again, you're going to want to check out that picture on my website. Second one down. Girl either walking through a door or right in the middle of a door, manifesting right through a door. It's totally creepy. We will be back. Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nine. Depends on how you listen to it. To be Coast Coast to Ghost Coast, right? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. We are telling ghost stories. We'll get back to it in a moment. I'm told that Guam, which I think did before get through on the international line, can't now. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do here. What I'll, I, I guess Guam, try to call my two regular 800 lines, both east and west, because I'll be damned if I know which one you really are. And uh, on top of that, I, once I clear the call on the first-time caller line, I'll clear that number for Guam only for a period of time. We'll see what happens, because there are some good ghost stories to come from Guam, which is running the, the show actually live uh, this morning to them Saturday afternoon. The sun is probably beginning to sink in the sky now on Guam. Just sink, or maybe, no, actually, it wouldn't be sinking yet, I guess. Anyway, uh, Saturday afternoon. So we'll try that here in a moment uh, with Bob. Sorry, you can't. It seems ridiculous that you can't get through on the international line being that far away, but uh, maybe that's the case. Stay right where you are. Ghost to Ghost AM continues. To the uh, police officer, uh, and where are you again, sir? I'm in Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina. that's right, Charleston, South Carolina. I wanted to read this to you before you continue. Sure. Um, there's a man who writes from Wisconsin. Art, you know, it sounds like the policeman you're talking to had an encounter with Black Chuck, a spectral dog that has been reported all over the world. Demonic? Question mark. That it, it may have been a demonic thing, and he calls it. A black shuck, a spectral dog, for whatever that's worth. Wow. You know, I've, I've always wondered what it was because I've always had experiences where I've actually seen figures. I've had doors bang. I've had a lot of things happen. Yeah, but this thing looked like a dog. In about but this, 60... thing, this thing was actually physically there. You know, and, and it wasn't in the spiritual realm. It wasn't. It wasn't cloudy. misty. It wasn't misty. It was in a physical thing. realm, and it tops my list as far as something that I could actually put my finger on. You know, and literally touch. If I had reached down, I probably could have touched it. But you, and, of course, you don't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure. But the thing, the thing was, is that it, it scared me to the point where I'd actually covered up and I started praying. And I was always wondering if anybody else had that. An experience, or if there was something in literature. Well, then maybe I just answered your question for you. I'll, you absolutely I'll, have did. To, I'll have to do a little bit of research but, uh, on that myself. But the thing that really troubled me about the whole thing is I never spoke about it. I never told my family. I, you know, I'm the youngest of several bro two brothers. Right. You know, I never told anybody. And seven years ago, I was sitting there talking to my brother, and uh, the thing that shocked me, the whole situation was we had uh, started talking about, he's also a police officer. And I spoke to him about, you know, old houses. And he said, I didn't like this place. And I said, why? And he said, well, I had a problem there. And I said, what was that? And he described the creature to me. The same creature? The same, the same creature. And he said he was homesick. 
and he was laying on the couch, and it, he described it to a T. And I interjected okay. uh, periodically so he knew that I knew exactly. We both saw the same thing. Well, and we both validated it that, to each other. That, uh, my friend, thank you very much. That's as creepy as it gets. Uh, to see something, uh, you know, perhaps demonic. I mean, you can always later sort of close your mind, right, and, and think to yourself, no matter how real the experience was at that moment, hey, I dreamed it, I had some, you know, some kind of hallucination, something. But, uh, but when somebody else saw exactly the same thing, then your options begin to dwindle pretty far. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art. Hey. Okay, uh... Where are you? Oh, I'm in Reno. Reno, okay. And you on KOH. And you're on a cell phone. Yes, I am. Okay. Okay, now, just bear with me here. When I lived in Colorado Springs, I was living in this house in the northwest part of town. And uh, it was a very hot summer evening. Well, probably about 8.30. I was sitting there watching TV. And we had this ghost there that just walked up and down the stairs. All it ever did. Just walk up and down the stairs. A ghost that you saw or just heard? Just heard. You uh, heard the footsteps. Okay. When you came in the front door, there was a little foyer and uh, three steps into the basement and then like eight steps up to the living room. Okay. And it constantly walked from the basement up the steps and then back down again. Uh-huh. So I got set up. I'd lived in another haunted house a couple years earlier. And the ghost there was pretty friendly. So I said to this one, I said, was that all you can do? Just walk up and down? Can't, you know, can you materialize? Can you speak? What? Yes, and I guess it considered that an invitation, right? Yes, it did. And it did what? I was sitting there in a chair, and then all of a sudden, like I said, it's very warm evening, must have been in the mid-80s, had the windows open, and it walked right up next to me, and all of a sudden, I was freezing. And the hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I got goose flesh. It was totally creepy, and it, I felt this, you know, how you can tell when, when your wife's angry at you. I seriously doubt you don't experience that much. But, oh, don't you kid yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you could feel the anger. Yes. I, I could just feel it, and I was going, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I said Actually, anything, that's a you know? very, very good analogy, sir. Very yeah. good. Every every man out there, and probably every woman, too, from the other side, knows exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yes, I know that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. And that's, that's the only thing that ever happened to that one. But in the previous house, we used to have windows fly open, doors fly open, lights go on, banging, pounding on doors. We called them Bob. Yeah, well, Bob. Uh, well, I, I don't, I don't like the pounding on doors part. I did, uh, and that, and that goes to uh, a little of what I'm going to talk about right now. I don't rule this out. In fact, actually, I rule it in. A lot of strange things have occurred to me during the years that I've been doing these programs. convinced and you might want to uh, have this served up to you as a warning I really am becoming convinced that when we talk of these things and we consider them the more we do it the more we invite it and I think that's why I've had a lot of one one time during one of these programs 
it wasn't a knock at my door. I mean, you've got to remember, I live inside, you know, a regular home, and, and, and I have my converted studio here, and what I heard hit my door was more like a pile driver. I mean, it wasn't a knock. Trust me, it kaboom! You know, that kind of thing on my door right during the, the middle of one of these ghost-to-ghost -ghost shows. And it scared the you-know-what out of me. I mean, right in the middle of the show. And I ran over to the door, uh, and I did open it. There was absolutely nothing there. But, I mean, this was a almost-going-to-break-it-off-the-hinges kind of kaboom on my door. So I've come to the conclusion that... Elboro truck driver, and I get you on the... S I got an SM radio, I get you on the S channel. Right. And uh, anyway, I team with my husband. So oh. we're coast to coast. Where? What part of the world are you in now? Right now, I'm in uh, Ludlow, California. Okay. And... Um, this happened in right outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now you got to understand, we're used to sleeping in different areas. Nothing's ever happened before. Sure. But we were outside of Albuquerque on uh, I-25 in a rest area. And you were up, you got a bunk up behind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got a sleeper berth. Right. And uh, this uh, happened uh, in a in a rest area right at the 163 marker uh -huh. in Bellum. Bellum, New Mexico. All right. And I had just quit driving. I, I had been listening to you like I always do. And I just quit driving. I was tired. My husband was already sleeping. So I put on my nightshirt and I was brushing out my hair. And um, so I turned everything off when I got done and I climbed in behind my husband like I normally do. Something kept telling me to look behind me. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this, you know. So. I just closed my eyes, you know, and I'm not asleep yet because I had just laid down and it takes me a while to relax. All of a sudden, my body went totally numb. Now, this is, this is the God's truth. My body went totally numb. I could not move my body. This noise started coming out of my mouth, and I'm trying, I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to get my what, husband... What kind of noise? Like a gurgle, like a, it went like that. Yes. And my husband is still snoring, and I'm trying to move my fingertips to get him awoke because I can't hardly move, but I'm willing my fingertips to touch him, and I'm trying to get his name out. I'm thinking, am I having a stroke here? What's yeah. going on? Uh, right. You know? Right. And that's what I'm thinking. But I'm like, no, that's not going, because my mind's working here. And all of a sudden, my body, I thought I was going to start levitating. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? And I start praying in my mind, because my husband and I are very religious. And I, I start praying, you know. And finally, I don't know how, but I, my husband got awoke. But in the meantime, the middle part, because I'm keeping my legs and arms trying to keep them down but the middle part of my body starting to move up i'm like oh please god make it go away please and god. this is when your husband woke up my husband woke up he goes what's going on with you and i and then it just it just left and, and, my, and you and I, you just sort of flopped back down i i had already come back down i didn't fully go up just because i'm 
you know, just the middle part of my body's moving. Did you recognize anything that came out of your mouth? No, nothing but just noise. And like I said, I'm trying to go, damn, like this, you know. Sure. Yeah, and you eke out his name, sure. Yeah. And so, you, and I'm thinking, is this one of these things where, you know, you're asleep? What do you call that? You're, you're, you think you're asleep, but you're not, or something, you know what I'm talking? Of course. And, and I'm like, this ain't going on because I wasn't asleep yet. I was, I had just fallen in bed, and something was telling me, turned over to my side and looked. I'm like, oh no, this is too creepy. I'm not looking. I closed my eyes. So something, and that's when something entered my body. Yeah, inhabited you. I was going to say yes, for a period of time. Yeah, and uh, now, and what was really weird when I pulled into this rest area, like when when us drivers pull in late at night in the rest area. You can't find a parking spot. I hear you. I, I've, got a big, only... I've got a big RV, and I've, I've tried to fight for those spots, so I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, but see, and... there was only two other trucks there, and I'm like, this is strange. Tell me tell me exactly where it was again. Um... Okay, this was in, right outside, south side of Albuquerque. At mile marker what? 163. 163. All right. It's a rest area on 25. All right. I got you. All right. Well, then some other... Well, listen, we're out out of time. But uh, some other truckers, I'm sure, will give mile marker 163 a try because these things tend to hang out at the same place. Time caller line is restricted for Guam, only Guam. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. And the wild card line is open at 1-775-727-1295. To reach Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903.
Story. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nine. No, you want. I'm after this next call. I guarantee I, I've got a federal law enforcement officer on the first time caller line. And after that, I'm going to restrict it for Guam. Uh, guaranteed. Uh, sorry, you can't get through on the international line. That's that's totally raw from my point of view. You should be able to get through on that line. But since you can't, and I know the 800 lines are swamped, the only option I have is to try and open the first time caller line for Guam only. So that's what I'm going to do as soon as I take this call. That number is uh, area code 775-727-1222. Once again, I'm going to hold that line open for Guam only. 775-727-1222. The only option I've got, I know, I know that Guam is with us right now. Saturday afternoon. Stay right there. Hi, Tom Bodette from Motel 6. Welcome to Tom's chat room. Of course, the beauty of Tom's chat room is that Tom does all the chatting. So let's talk. Dearborn, Michigan asks, Hey, Tom, does Motel 6 really have the lowest rates of any national chain? Yes. And that's Tom's chat room. I'm Cyber Tom Bodette logging off for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6 in a core hotel. All right, let me say it one more time. Uh, following the call, I'm just now going to take. Uh, then I'm going to reserve this line away for only Guam. I don't, I don't care who you are, what it's about, only Guam. Those poor people. You would think, and, and if you're, if, by the way, if you want to call, on the international line, uh, and you're anywhere else in the world, you're welcome to now call because obviously Guam isn't able to use it. So the international line uh, anywhere else in the world is 800-893-0903 with a reference to Guam. Uh, that This is going to mean you would have to pay for the call, but I, I don't know how else to do it. All these other lines are jammed beyond all reason. So if you're in Guam, seven, area code 775-727-1222, just as soon as I clear this line. And on that line, you're on the air. Uh, where are you calling from, sir? Oh, you don't want to say, do you? No, not necessarily, if I can help it. You're, you're um, a federal law enforcement officer? Yeah, we're, and I can verify all this on, on, on the side if you want to get this information without being here. I, I understand, um, sure. I we uh, we're the federal officer that you see in the unmarked trucks that ride along the government property to keep people out where they shouldn't be. Okay. Um, I have two quick things to say. Uh, one, I had two experiences in my life. One recently, and one when I was about seventeen. Um, we had a oh, it's an old house in Detroit in an old area, and uh, I was the only brave one out of the nine kids that sleep in a certain part of the house. It always had some strange happenings, and. Um, Things got worse to the point where I started putting locks in the door. Well, one night I went to sleep and I woke up and my door was actually just ripped from the hinges. And nothing was missing, but I slept through that, which I'm I'm a very light sleeper. You slept through your door being ripped off the hinges. With four locks on the door. because the, the, it was, And I never went to that part of the house again, ever. Exactly and where, where where did the door, door end up? I mean, was it on the floor? It was, it was or? tough. It was just ripped up and laid down right there on the floor. Okay. And, um... And recently, I was with another officer, and we were going into a closed area, an area where nobody should be whatsoever. Right. And we, we both went through the gate, and we closed the gate behind us, and we looked up in front of us, and he says, do you see what I see? I said, yeah, there's something up there. We got in the truck, 
And we gunned it, and either this person could run about 70 miles an hour, or they just got away from us. And we were in an area where you can see everything within about four square miles. <laughs> but um, it's strange that two people can see the same thing, and we both looked at each other and said, we got them. No, it's, it's not Whatever strange. it was, the shadow ran in front of us. It was right early, early in the morning, before sunrise. It ran in front of us for probably about maybe, oh, I'd say a good four or five hundred yards. It was about, oh, uh, about a thousand yards in front of us when we went through the gate. And you're trying but, to tell me this thing had to be moving at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, because I, I guess I mean, I, we were going to get this person or whoever it was and find out what they were doing in this area. And um, the, we were looking at each other like, we can't believe this is happening. Boy. And then finally around the corner and there's nobody there. And, um, I, I, I don't know see. what to tell you. I, I really appreciate your story. Yeah, I appreciate it. We love listening to you guys out there. Believe it or not, we, we listen, a lot of us listen to you. Thank and you. You guys really entertain us through the night and keep, keep up the good work. I do believe it. Thank you very much, sir. All right, that clears that line. Now, only Guam on that line. See, I, I've got the feeling it's the only way I'm going to get Guam through here tonight. Now, there's yet another law enforcement officer. Oh, well, these fellows work at night. You know, they work at night, and uh, uh, many times they work in pairs, and they are trained observers. So, yeah, you give them a little more credibility. Stuff is happening everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, is that me? That's you. Okay. Uh, I lived at, the, at a place called, uh, can I say the name of the place? Well, I don't know. It depends on, is it like a hotel or? Well, no, it's or, the area is known for the world's biggest fig tree. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I mean, you, no, no, that's okay. You can tell me where you live. Oh, it's a place called Fig Springs. In what state? Uh, Arizona. Arizona, okay. Yeah, it's near Cayman. All right. Um, there's a lot of legends about the area itself. But uh, one particular night, my uh, mother and a, a friend of ours were up there and we're just uh, hanging out in the main trailer. That we we care took my parents care took the land for uh, for the people who owned it, and we're just talking about different stuff. So it was uh, nighttime, and I started getting really nervous. I was pretty young at the time. Started getting very very nervous about like I am now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, and uh, the the other. Two people are, were with us, my mom and the other person, were also getting nervous, but they were trying to pretend like everything was okay because they didn't want to scare me. I looked back behind me, and I see a guy lying on the bed in the living room. We are in the kitchen. She could see in the living room. There was a bed there. And he was floating about a foot off the bed. Oh and I, about that time, I uh, said... Uh, the, the people, the, my mom and the other person, I think we should leave now. <laughs> well, so, describe this as best you can. Floating, you said. Yeah, he was just, he was just lying there nonchalantly like, oh, nothing or just kicking back on the bed, except he wasn't on the bed. He was above the bed. But in yeah, But what I'm trying to get at is in every other way, fully materialized, uh, he was uh, partly see-through. He wasn't totally solid. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was, like, partly there, partly not type of thing. I've seen a lot of ghosts before like that. And this well, if you get a chance to check my website, you'll see a picture of a lady halfway through a door. And when I say through a door, I don't mean walking through a door. Yeah. I mean 
I mean oh, yeah. coming through a door. Okay. I'll ch be sure and check that out. But anyhow, I, we decided to gather. But by, by the way, uh, there were people hung on that uh, fig tree there uh, before it was originally chopped down. But anyhow, uh, we left the building and started going down a hill. It was pretty dark out. We're going down this hill to head to where we stayed in a small travel trailer. And we hear a noise, like a clunk, clunk, clunk noise behind us. And um, we tried to look back, but we couldn't see what it was. And we, we just took off running. All of a sudden, I freeze. I look back, and I see way up in the sky. I look straight up. I see in the sky what looks like a small piece of metal. Uh, maybe two foot by three foot piece of metal yes. and like a small uh, uh, tin or uh, aluminum uh, garbage can flying in the air. Really? It makes a circle around me and I hear a crash behind this uh, one little uh, rock shed that was up there. Uh, I was frozen in my spot so one of the other people had to grab me and pull me in the trailer. Um, we all compared notes and found out that we were all kind of, uh, feeling kind of weird vibes and everything about the area uh, when we were in there. So the next day, since it was too dark to go out that night, the next day we went out and looked to investigate to see what it was. The clunking noise behind us was actually a tin garbage can. But the two pieces of metal I saw up in the sky, I mean, this is Arizona. We don't get tornadoes that often here. Yes, I'm and sorry. the ground wind was not... Um, it was not the uh, was not that bad. It was, so what are you saying happened to you? I mean, what it, you... this piece of metal was about the size of an average living room. It was two pieces of metal, and what it was was a, <laughs> a roof off of a porch shed that was at the trailer. Oh my God! Um, after after having told the story to several people, uh, we found out that the trailer that that was had happened in. Someone had gotten shot by the police. Then they had escaped from uh, something. They they ran from the police and they got sh and he got shot in there. And yep. the person told us, "Well, we can prove it. Go look by the back door, and you'll see bullet holes there." And so we went and looked by the back door. There weren't, weren't any bullet holes, but there were some pieces of duct tape. We started looking under the duct tape, and sure enough, there's bullet holes. There's bullet holes. Oh, brother. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you, <laughs> uh, you see. Ghosts uh, seem to manifest themselves uh, most frequently from those who either die unexpectedly, die in the middle of a passionate love affair, uh, commit suicide, hang themselves, blow their heads off, that kind of thing. Those type of deaths, uh, you know, violent deaths, seem to bring this sort of thing. Why, I don't know. It may be the speed of the death, but, you know, if that was true... Then you would think that most people that got hit by trucks or walked out into the middle of traffic would be ghosts as well, wouldn't you? And yet it appears to be this, uh, this hand of man violent death, whether it be one's own hand or another hand that produces the entities that stick around. So f go figure. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Yes. Yeah, hi. This is this is Mark from St. Louis. Hello, Mark. Um, I was listening to your show when I heard uh, one of the police officers call, and he had a story uh, about he he called it a demon dog. Oh, the dog-like creature. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, I got a story similar to that. Only it's not a it's not a dog, but um, 
it uh, it has similarities. Uh, when I was a a kid, um, I grew up in a family of, of I was the youngest of five, and I was sharing a a bedroom with my sister, who was the second youngest for me. I was the youngest; she was the next one up. Right. And uh, so I was, I'm gonna say maybe. Um, Gosh, I don't know, seven or eight years old, the first time I saw this thing. Yes. Uh, it, it's a very distinctive memory for me, and it, it's hard for me to even talk about it without getting the chills. Uh, I was asleep, or, or not quite yet asleep. I was in bed. My sister was, uh, her bed was in the corner of the bedroom, farthest from the door. My okay. bed was uh, closest to the door. Right. Um it was dark. It was nighttime. I, I have no idea. I'm trying to remember how late it was, but that I know. Doesn't matter. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, everybody in the house was asleep. Um, the lights were off, and I saw something come through the bedroom door. At, at first, now when you say come through the bedroom door, do you mean like your picture? Only, only this had no definition on that picture on your website. Oh, you seen? Have you seen that picture? Yeah, you could make out eye sockets and things on your picture. I mean, oh my God, that thing is. I almost in, thought that door looked like there was something superimposed. It's so because uh, either I mean, in the, that the door, door changes color. It's I mean. either in that door or coming through it. So this was similar to that, okay? Now, I'm in a dark bedroom, and I don't know how I can accurately describe this, but I'll give it a shot. Um, there's such a thing as uh, darker than, or blacker than night, okay? Yeah, and that, no, that, that, that's the best way for me to describe this thing, because your eyes will gradually adjust to the to even a dark room. That's correct. And uh, so I, I thought I see something really, it, it was like a black void is the best way I could describe it. Okay. Um, it I've was no, no, no dimensions. It was just a black void. Yep. Um, it was about uh, where, where somebody's head would be, that, that high up on the door. And I, I remember squinting my eyes and, and opening them again and thinking, you know, what that, what the heck is that? Sure. And uh, I'm looking, and it, and it starts coming through a little bit more. And what it was, it was this thing's head. Okay, and it was it, it poked its head through just a little bit, and on the side of its head, I saw on the side of its head, I could see, like, again, blacker than black, wispy <laughs> arms coming through, like the hands were were being extended, and they were coming through the side, you know, from the side of the head, okay, and, okay. and the head comes in farther, and it looks around in the room and I'm and the whole time I'm thinking am I just you know am I seeing things am I imagining this yes. and the more and more I look at it I'm getting scareder and scareder and I it, it, it's taking on a form and my, my sister's asleep and I'm just I'm I'm getting scared to death seeing this thing and it's and it finally comes through the door floats through the door all the way I could see it was smooth shaped um Meaning it didn't look like it had wild hair or anything. It was completely black, but the head was round, let's say like a mannequin's would be. Yep. And I remember seeing arms and a torso. Uh, you know, I'm peeking through my covers. I got my covers probably like up to my nose at this point, you know, looking at this thing. And the way, I, I, I'll never forget the way it moved. It was like a burglar was like he would move, like you, if he was tiptoeing, he was. It was very like almost stalking the room with sure. his head crouched down, and the, and the arms were kind of up in the air. And the arms, there were really no hands. 
that it just kind of ended in long tendrils. Well, you know, uh, long tendrils. This sounds classically like a, a shadow person story. It, exactly. And it, you, uh, you describe it as blacker than black. That blacker than black. Something and, that would be uh, black within a totally dark room. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and, and there's something I want to describe here because I think this is just as important or prominent as, as the actual seeing it. Sure. There was, an, and I'm, again, this is from a kid, so uh, seven or eight years old, I felt a presence of evil like you would not imagine. That. There was no way, even at that young age, did I think this was a ghost. I mean, I was scared out of my, you know, my, my shorts. I, to me, this thing uh, was not a spirit of somebody that had come back. This thing was... I'm thinking this thing is from hell or something coming up. Well, that's that. You know, uh, that that is why. Uh, again, folks, that I'm saying. You know, we call these ghosts, but that's just a name. We don't know for sure what they are. In some cases, they may be the departed uh, managing to manifest back in on the earthly plane here, right? but they might not be human either. Many of these things may not be human. And so I'm tending toward the physical manifestation, particularly physical attack-type stories, so I can try and get a better grasp of what it is that we're dealing with here. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, I, I want to reiterate uh, that because of the screw-up, and apparently Guam can't get through on the... Uh, the international line. I am going to hold this first-time caller line open for Guam only. All right? I know you're out there this afternoon trying to get through, so keep trying. It's area code 775-727-1222. And, of course, the lines are totally jammed, but if I need the audience to cooperate, do not call that number. Let Guam get through, please, on that number. Guam only. Area code 775-727-1222. Otherwise, use any other line. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi. We don't have a whole lot of time before the top of the hour, yeah, sir. Let me do this real quickly. All right. Uh, I'm a retired sheriff's captain. Yes, sir. One night, the, the uh, dispatch supervisor uh, ran out of paper in her computer and wanted me to go with her into the courthouse to retrieve some paper. She would not go there alone. This is an old western courthouse in which the, the jail was in the basement. A number of people had been hung there and killed themselves there, and she was scared to death of it. Right. We went up to the front door, which was a double double glass door, and unlocked the door. And when I opened the door and put my... I had a flashlight. I didn't want to turn the lights on. And there's a, a, a set of stairs, and at the top of the stairs, you like cats, you'll enjoy this, there was a ghost cat standing there. And when I when I shine my light on it, he he reared his back up like cat will, and hissed at me, and 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 attacked me. Ran down the stairs and what? ran at me. Ran up my body. What? And and according to the dispatcher, uh, went through me. What? I didn't, see the, I didn't I didn't see the cat go through me. She said it went through me. She saw it come out the back end of me. Holy uh, moly! When I it it, it shocked me so bad I just lost my composure there for a minute uh, I dropped my flashlight I picked oh. the flashlight back up and I had to turn it back on and I I shined it up to the top of the stairs and there was a man standing there a, a ghostly looking man and he just slowly slowly dissipated and went away 
Uh, huh. I, I don't know what to say about that. This I, this cat this cat was uh this cat just scared me to death. I mean it was not it was not a physical cat. It was a it was a uh, she she told me that from that day forward she'd never go back in there again, and she said that was the first time. I don't blame her. I I wouldn't do it either. Uh, I, in fact, I'd probably quit, go find another job, or Let, transfer or something. Listen, I gotta go. We're we're okay. up, up here at the top of the hour. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much, officer, and take care. So many law enforcement officers, uh, people who are trained to observe things. A cat that attacks and kisses, arches its back, attacks you and jumps right through. Ay, ay, ay. That's it, K-57. Yep. Well, I guess it's, what, a Saturday evening there by now, huh? It is. The The sun is now starting to uh, set. Actually, it's starting to go down now. Okay, all right. Uh, well, what's up? Well, um, I'm really sorry that uh, True Tomorrow didn't get through here first. Um, 
it, hopefully more will come in. Um, ghost stories are, or spirit stories uh, might be more accurate, are very much a part of the culture here and are experienced uh, very regularly. Um, on island, they're usually referred to as the Tautamona, which I believe um, it literally translated means the original ones. Um, oh, isn't that interesting? I, I lived on Okinawa for 10 years, and that was a very, very haunted island. There's something about islands, huh? I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and there's, there's quite a, certainly a lot of violence has taken place here and on this that's island true. And, um, and probably on Okinawa as well. You, you were mentioning earlier you didn't use the word violence, but... Um, oh, no, there was yeah. a lot of violence there. So, People were burned in caves on Okinawa. Sure, and uh, not much different here. It's kind of scary. But um, there's also um, something called the Duendes, which is really more...